Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Since 2013, Bombus has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and t-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hello there, movie truthers. It's Michael Leader back here once again with one of these remote truth and movie specials. So far, we've checked in with Sophie Monks Kaufman, David Jenkins, and Hannah Woodhead. And tonight, we're having an Avengers style crossover special, welcoming back both David and Hannah. Welcome back, both. How are you doing tonight? I'm good. I'm good. You too. So tonight, we're going to be talking about a topic very close to our hearts. We're going to talk about magazines. Um, This sort of lockdown virus period has been quite a strange time for print media in particular um but david up top should we have a bit of an update from little white lies towers how's everything going how's the magazine working remotely well yeah it's it's it is a very intriguing time for for I, I'm, I'm imagining all print publications all writers all editors uh as not only has the kind of infrastructure shifted um and you know it is not obviously not as easy to sort of make these things as as as, as it was back in the good old days um but but actually like this this there are so many kind of like knock-on effects as well in that you know that there are very few f- films actually coming out and like you know we we actually prior to the uh the lockdown we had a cover film locked and, and loaded and ready to go and we were we were we were all set to start work and um luck i mean luckily that they they announced that it was being um not cancelled but like delayed sooner rather than later so we we hadn't actually started work on the magazine before we'd actually heard that that the that the that this this kind of cover film that we wanted to do we and, and which we'll probably end up still doing at a later date um had had been had been sort of knocked down the the timeline a little and yeah it's it's kind of interesting because I, I think that one of the things that kind of fuels us and our, our, our passion obviously like um it, it makes for uh, these uh, you know the, the the sort of regular editions of truth and movies is the fact that there are so many films coming out each week and cinemas are packed to the gills with all the all these new titles and how to how to navigate those things and yeah, it seems it seems that you know we, we're kind of just about to embark on another issue uh, right now, and it's 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 been a bit more, I guess, a bit. I don't want to use the word challenge because it's because a challenge is is pejorative, and and I think it's been fun because it's 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 a situation where where we can really um, think think in in new ways and look for new stories and new ways of of, of 
of cover of, of of what our coverage is and what it's going to be about and what how we're kind of connecting to the readers so um yeah it's a it's gonna I, i'm really excited about the issue we're going to do and you know it's there's there's if you if you if if anyone listening is is keen to support that side of our of of, of the little white lies world then you know please please i implore you to to subscribe and uh have the the issue delivered to your to your door not least because you then you don't have to queue up for an hour at a supermarket to pick it up um so so yeah it's all it's all it's it, it we're currently ticking out ticking along nicely um a lot a lot of a lot of stuff has gone digital as well but um like you know as in digitally focused um but which we're, we're definitely trying to we'd, we've we're definitely sort of um retaining the uh the 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 good old analog side of of little white lies as well keeping that fire burning that's really good to hear and we as we've been talking about this uh it's been we've been casting our minds back thinking about our history with print media and we've been talking about our relationship specifically with magazines and david you asked both hannah and i and also uh Adam Woodward as well the other day what our first the first magazines that we subscribed to as kids and that rush of nostalgia came along and Hannah I think your, your, your first magazine is particularly a great one would you mind telling us what that is? Yeah so the first magazine I ever subscribed to was called My Beautiful Horses and um, it was I think I think a monthly publication and it came every issue you got a free tiny plastic horse with it and I I had a very large sort of cupboard in my room just full of these uh, plastic horses which I think is a great image for like a David Lynch film you know just like <laughs> horse after horse and of course like being a six-year-old or seven-year-old however old I was at the time I um you know, would cut their hair and kind of put stickers on them and things. So I think eventually they kind of ended up in a car boot sale somewhere. But that was really, I think, my mum was always very big on encouraging us to read and being, a, you know, a kind of kid who, a little girl who loved horses, I think she was like, aha, this is a way to surreptitiously encourage her to actually... Uh, you know get an education <laughs> while she's playing so yeah and it and it worked i still love both horses and magazines so she really did a good job <laughs> david horses and magazines for you or what sort of magazines were you reading or subscribed to as a kid mm, i'm trying to think i i i, th- I think that i de- like subscription specifically was a tough one because i i i, I had a there was a, a really quite good news agent like very close to where I lived and so it was like it was actually kind of easier to just sort of run a, run along there and pick up any mags that I want I mean I, I, I used to I used to sort of get the Beano and the Dandy every week um, which is pretty pretty sort of standard issue stuff um, and um, and me, me and my brother would share those and, and I think the first thing I actually got was got as a subscription was was it was this magazine called Discovery <laughs> Which I, which when we did mention it, I don't think you guys had heard of. No. 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 You'll have to explain to us again. Well, it it it's it's a weird one. Um, I I it was it was it was crazy because it was it was there was obviously like I think the the the, the sort of impetus behind my parents getting that for me was because there was there was an educational element to it, and 
the concept was that with each issue you had a it had like a, a, a famous person from history and it kind of told their story in a in a kind of magaziney form so it was, it, it was essentially like wikipedia before wikipedia so you know you had you, you you although it was a bit more creative than that because you had like you had little um uh you had like illustrations and and you know occasionally photographs if it was someone more modern um and like diag- you know you, there, there were the what the one i remember absolutely loving and i think it might have been one of the, the the super early ones because there was a big craze for him at the time was that was the tutankhamun issue and like there was a, there was cuz cuz there was this big exhibition in london like the 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 first time that 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 or that his 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 tomb had come to london or something or or, or some or some treasures from his tomb and so like he was he tutankhamun was hot <laughs> and uh when i was about sort of 7 or 8 and uh i i think i had a poster of him in my bedroom wall <laughs> So, so that was my kind of reason for wanting to get um, uh, um, Discovery magazine, and and yeah, you, uh, it was it. So, so the, one of the things with the magazine, which I, uh, you know, you you guys might have some insight into this, but I don't, I'm not sure if this happens anymore. But like the the it kind of the the actual it, each issue came in a slipcase, and you you would take out the magazine, and it had like ring binder holes. <laughs> down the spine and with every like the the idea was that you had you, you know you 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 with every like 20 issues you could fill a ring binder with them and then you could put that on your shelf and that would be your kind of reference point so um i you know i had i had like a couple of ring binders worth of of uh, discoveries and I, and i used and i definitely used to kind of rank my favorite people <laughs> <laughs> They're top historical figures. Yeah, yeah. I loved Marco Polo as well for some reason because I also loved polos. <laughs> um, so there, I, there, I, I think there was like a kind of link there, um, but um, I didn't really. I don't think I delved very deep into the actual text. It was more of a kind of looking at looking at pictures of them, and I generally also liked people with moustaches as well. So that was another little. So. I feel like I'm learning so much <laughs> already. Exactly, We're five yeah. minutes in, but I think that I can't speak to the international magazine market. But no matter kind of how old you are, if you had a magazine subscription in the last sort of, if you were a child with a magazine subscription in the last you know twenty thirty years, um, it will have had a ring binder or some way for you to collect it. I remember after my beautiful horses we had the horrible histories magazine which was a weekly magazine and it came with a i I think at first there was a ring binder and then you got kind of those um cardboard boxes like Hmm. like file things to put them in because there were so many we had stacks of those magazines and i mean i i did go on to a history degree so i think it was like money well spent for my mum but like when we asked this question on Twitter, so many people were like, yeah, yeah, I had this magazine that came with a ring binder. So someone was making bank, like, on this. I think those magazines still exist if you go into a large WX Smiths. There's, there's like, a whole section where issue by issue you build a collection or build a model or... And the first one is always one ninety nine, and then the next issue is, like, £5. That's how exactly. they get you. I remember growing up when they'd be advertised on telly. Yeah, back yeah. In the, the bad old days. The Lord of the Rings uh, chess magazine, I recall being a very big thing. 
and wow. I really wanted it. And my mum was like, no. Because, <laughs> you know, that's like 60 issues at a five or a pop for a chess set. That, that, those magazines, I was always very, very like, yeah. I, 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 I stood clear of those because I, I, I was very aware of... I, you know, seeing the TV adverts and thinking, wow, you, that, that's a lot of bang for your buck at one ninety nine for as an introductory offer. And then, you know, you would... I mean, five quid is, like, cheap. I, don't, I think they were more like eight or nine quid, like, after that first one. So they... So, so they put all their money in, in, a t- in a massive glitzy advertising campaign because you know once you've got <laughs> one you or if you or if you decide to subscribe I mean then you're hooked basically so. when, when I was mulling over the subscription question for me there are so many different types of subscriptions so there'd be shoot magazine coming through my door the football magazine for kids every week um, that would be delivered by a lad on the paper round from our local news agents but then there'd be magazines that I'd pick up on the way home from primary school with my gran shout out to Sanford's in Swinton that would be the Beano and the Dandy but then I suppose there's a point of departure here where we're talking about magazines that our parents or family would be getting for us to keep us out of trouble or maybe inspire us to learn a bit more what were the first magazines that you went and got yourself and maybe formed the identity that you now have so the gateway into who you became. I remember when I was about, gosh, how old would I have been? Uh, there was in that kind of weird, you know, end of year six, beginning of year seven um, phase. I remember buying a lot of Top of the Pops magazine um, and like smash hits and those kind of things. And then I remembered, I distinctly remember like when I was about 14, it was, um, I started listening to, you know, like Arctic Monkeys and things. They got really big. So I was like straight into Enemy. I discovered Enemy. And that for me was like, you know, the kind of the floodgates opening. I felt very cool and very like in the know because no one else in my year at school or not in my class anyway, read Enemy. So I'd take that to school every week. I, it would come on a Wednesday morning. The paper boy would bring it because we got it from the news agents. And I would take it in and I'd be sat on the bus reading it and I'd be like, I'm very cosmopolitan. I don't know about all the rest of you, but I know music and I read magazines that are published in London where I'm going to live when I'm older. So that for me was like, you know, it felt like this whole other world had opened up for me. David, were you an enemy reader? Yeah, I was actually. Um, and and Melody Maker as well. I'd, I'd, I'd get both and always always feel that NME was the superior magazine but I understand that Melody Maker in its back back in its heyday was was rather good um but I guess I guess pro- so my my I guess magazines have always been a big part of my life although I think I think maybe 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 the definition that I'm going to use here is is probably not right but like so my dad is a huge uh, 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 for, has been for my entire life collector of comics, and um, ah. he, uh, and um, much of my youth was spent like going around comic shops, <laughs> um, and because my, my you know this this is this makes my dad sound a bit seedy, but actually you know it was just, it was just a, a regular uh, you know passion I guess he he but he he would buy you know he would buy a lot of comics and he would he would. Um, at the various comic comic shops in like there was 
there was there was one in central in Covent Garden called Krypton Comics, which was the main the main one. Do you do does that sound familiar to you, um, Michael? Krypton Comics way before my time. Okay. I think some of these some of these places and Forbidden Planet as well, but when it was in a slightly different place and more and definitely more kind of like hardcore nerdy comic focused. Um, that, that, but and, and Orbital Comics as well. Um, he used to basically have like these, you know, all these kind of um, bits of money down on various like vintage comics. So we'd we'd sort of do this loop every week, and he would sort of put a, another twenty quid down on some like early action comics or like you know the first appearance of Hulk or something like that. And and you know it was his kind of like it was a sort of another mortgage for him. Anyway, the reason I'm I'm saying you t- saying that to you is because I really never got into comics. Um, yeah, uh, I think my dad really wanted me and my brother to to be because then that would actually like give him more of a reason because he could basically say, oh, I'm 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 doing it for the kids. <laughs> it's fine. Uh, my brother got my brother managed to I think just by pure kind of force of will ended up getting into really getting into Iron Man comics um, which was lucky because Iron Man was pretty much the only Marvel character that my dad wasn't at all interested in so (laughs) he was very happy for for my brother to have Iron Man to himself Um, so he would buy my brother Iron Man magazines and and I would I would just be like I know I just want different magazines and and I think the first one I really got into was this magazine called um, Nintendo Magazine System (laughs) oh yeah (laughs) Uh, aka NMS I think it featured recently in Under the Silver Lake. I don't know if it, if it was that one or a, a slightly different one. That but. was Nintendo Power. So oh. these are the officially licensed Nintendo magazines. Nintendo Power was in the States. And then, yeah, the Nintendo Magazine system over here. Right. Ran right. for many years. Yeah, I'm, 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 so, I, I'm, I'm imagining that, they were, that, that there was some kind of editorial crossover there. But it was like, I, 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 I think, I, yeah, I was really, in, I, 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 I had a snares and I was really into it. And the the one thing that I really, I mean this this is this is something that like maybe is a kind of like character character thing, but like I was really into cheats, like re, like really <laughs> obsessed with cheats, and like you know you have a, you know when you get a magazine and sometimes there's like a page you flick to, like you know you just want to get to that bit first and just check, and I'd always just buy a Nintendo magazine system and go straight to the cheats page. And just and 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 it, there would be a little pang of disappointment if like none of my none of the games I had had any kind of cheat codes or if it was one that I already knew or something like that. It was a real proper kind of like oh my god I've unlocked the universe if I've if there's a game where where I've got a cheat code and then you'd obviously go and try and input the cheat code and it would be like impossible because <laughs> uh, yeah it'd be some like long string of you know. B A B A start start up down you know all that so so yeah I was really I was really into to Nintendo magazine system for the cheats um, and then um, but beyond that I I, I uh, the the thing the the thing that was like super important to me was um, was actually Time Out um, right and that was that that wasn't a subscription that I had that was my 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 dad had has been a subscriber like my entire life. Like he he was subscribing to it in like the eighties, um, so like as long as I've lived, uh, as long as I was living with my parents, um, I I was getting time out delivered to the house and um, and then obviously I left home, went to university and then worked worked for time out for like um, five years. So 
Um, but yeah, the 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 there was a, there was a, there, it was the cause of much consternation because consternation because uh, me and my dad and my brother used to kind of race to get home first from school because my dad was a teacher as well, so we'd all end at the same time. And it was on a Wednesday to to see who could. Or it was occasionally arrived on a Tuesday, but it was basically to see who could get the subscriber copy of Time Out first and open it up, and and we'd all circle what we wanted to watch on TV. So <laughs> this was when the TV listings were like forty pages or something. It was amazing. What's a rosy picture you're painting? Yeah, David? and we're learning so much about you. Yeah, this is. Th- I should really save all this for the memoirs, shouldn't I? <laughs> yeah. I? I do wonder whether, you know, even though there's a, an age range between the three of us, we all kind of grew up during a time where there were just so many magazines on the shelves. Um, you know, David, even though you, you mentioned Nintendo, the, the official Nintendo magazine, there would also be third-party independent magazines as well. So I, I was very much into video games and music at very important parts of my childhood. So I'd be reading PC Zone and PC Gamer, the official PlayStation magazine, and uh, you know, third-party knockoffs as well, which would have very different um, points of view, access, attitudes. And then well, I hit a certain point. I did read Melody Maker, but I got onto the Melody Maker ship as it was sinking and then jumped ship to NME and then Kerrang and then it was just Kerrang for a long time as I was a new metal <laughs> kind of goth type for most of my early teenage years pinning up Cradle of Filth posters in our physics classroom wow. and so on what? Never, never Metal Hammer well no Metal Hammer was a bit later because it's a bit scary when you're 12 years old um, the, the concept of actual metal you, you, you just want to you know, read up on Nirvana or something instead. Can I ask you a question, Michael? This is this is slightly off topic. Were you were you ever into like White Dwarf? Oh, Warhammer. Yeah, yeah, I was. <laughs> um, at, I knew towards it. The tail end of primary school, <laughs> but I, I was never into it as much as my dad was. Um, it was one of those those deals ah. where I have I I do not have an artistic bone in my body. I, I can't paint or draw or anything. My dad is incredibly talented at that, and he would be painting and sculpting and moulding my um, uh, space marine armies or <laughs> whatever it would be and then uh, uh, one of my best friends at school we'd go together to the Bolton uh, Games Workshop every Saturday morning and, and play um, uh, various Warhammer 40k or Warhammer but yeah White Dwarf is still going strong Henry still Cavill early. is big into it apparently that's what he's been doing in lockdown is, is doing Warhammer that's amazing. Check out his Instagram. He's posted a lot about Warhammer. There you go. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, 
Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. There's one thing we haven't mentioned yet. And that's film magazines, right? Yeah. So when do film magazines come into it? And what was it? For me, it was, um, I think, well, I grew up in the kind of early noughties. Um, so it was Empire and Total Film, really. I was a very, I mean, I came from a kind of small little town just outside of Sheffield. So there weren't really a lot of, um, there wasn't a lot of access to magazine shops like specialist shops so it was basically what could you get at the news agents and what could you get at the supermarket and those two were you know the most kind of readily available uh so i i yeah i remember picking up my first empire when i must have been about 14 so this was i had at one point a subscription to enemy and empire at the same time and my mum was like you know this can't go on you're bankrupt in the family with your love of pop culture so um i in the end i chose i chose empire and i had that until i went to university so i yeah i just remember very kind of distinctly being a religious reader every every month it was cover to cover and then my brother would take it or my sister would take it if there was something they were interested in and I had stacks upon stacks of them in my bedroom in this huge kind of ottoman and I would I would reread them I'd take them out and like look at them again and put them back all in order I liked keeping them all in order and then um when I was about 17 maybe I remember going into the WH Smiths in Sheffield City Centre and seeing this magazine which I hadn't seen before and it had uh, Natalie Portman on the cover and I was a big Natalie Portman fan you know 17 year old girl I thought she was amazing so I was like oh that looks really cool what is that and it was Little White Lies it was the Black Swan issue and that was the first time I encountered the magazine and I mean yeah, I, I always feel a little bit kind of like um, nostalgic about that that memory because it's so clearly etched in my mind. And after that, I didn't I didn't have a subscription, but I would buy it kind of whenever I went into town to see my friends. I would go to W H Smith and buy it. Um, so yeah, it was it was a very strange experience two and a half years ago to have an interview and subsequently get a job at this magazine, which had really like opened my eyes I guess to a different side of film because Empire and Total Film were great for kind of the big you know the blockbuster titles and the kind of classics but there was this whole kind of world of independent cinema which I just wasn't aware of and hadn't really encountered before I started reading Little White Lies. Hmm. That's really sweet. The closest I have to that is that I was a subscriber to Empire for a long time and I don't know if if it was the same for you or uh, Hannah or David but I, I developed quite a relationship with some of the writers, you know, as, as a reader, particularly Kim Newman. And during the phase when I was reading the magazine religiously, he had a section where it was, ask this guy knows everything about film. Ask him a question, and he'll take a stab at it. And I still have the copies of the issues where I sent in questions for him, and he actually took them seriously and answered them. And I, the two questions I asked were, 
who's appeared as themselves the most in films and who's saved the world the most time on the big most times on the big screen and i think the answer for most times as themselves at that time was larry king uh, and there's, there was even like a little sort of um, additional bit saying unless we take into account people who played characters with their own names like does Roy Rogers count as playing himself in all those films where he played Roy Rogers and I was just so as a kid as a whatever 10 11 year old so uh, bowled over thinking that people were taking this thing seriously and I, I see Kim Newman at screenings and stuff I've never actually spoken to him and one day I'm going. I'm going to completely embarrass myself. <laughs> you should speak to him. He he he's super nice. No, of course. You know, I, it's quite. It's so personal, isn't it, to reveal stuff like that? My first issue of Little White Lies. It's a weird one. It was the pack-in mini issue in the Persepolis DVD. Wow. <laughs> I still have that DVD. <laughs> That's niche. Yeah, we, we did a lot of little mini like mini issues with. I think that was. Well, I think we had a. Uh, it was like uh, there was a distributor then called Momentum. Who uh, who who really liked taking it, taking the issues and sort of miniaturizing them for the DVD cases? I guess it was a you know a, a nice little easy thing to do, really. But um, but yeah, um, that's funny you say that about the writing. In I remember I've never myself written into to, to a magazine because I'm too lazy. But I remember my friend my friend had an Amiga, I think it was, and. Mm-hmm. Oh, it might—I can't. It might have been. An, yeah, I think it was an Amiga, and he, he, I've got a friend called Tom Lamont, and he—he, uh, he, I remember he wrote a letter into an Amiga magazine, and it was a very unlike yours, which are quite kind of broad and searching and wide-eyed. His was his 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 letter was like, oh, on level. Th- it was it was like that one in The Simpsons where he says, you know. Itchy clearly strikes the same tone <laughs> when Itchy <laughs> plays Scratchy's uh, um, ribcage rib like a xylophone. You know, it was one of those type of questions, and um, it was like on level thirty-two of of this of this kind of boring game. Uh, I I I can't find the the special bell that gets your you know, and um, and and the guy, the guy they they replied to his letter. But they they just spent the whole reply ripping the piss out of him because his surname was Lamont because at the time there was a politician called Norman Lamont and he had like and and he was known for having these kind of Martin Scorsese eyebrows and the the whole reply was basically oh Tom Lamont any relation have you got massive bushy eyebrows are you in the Tory party are you really boring and, and it just ended <laughs> <laughs> and it was like I think he was absolute that that. I, I'm pretty sure that killed his relationship to 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 to, to magazines, actually. So, um, but for, for same story for me with film magazines, um, Empire and Total Film, uh, yeah, all the way. Um, I think I probably had those because my, my, my it, like I, I, again, it was my dad who subscribed to them both, so I just read them. Um, but I, I, um, so with with Empire and Total Film, we probably had those. I'd say most of the nineties. Um, um, and I think my dad still kept, remained a subscriber through till like, yeah, I, I, um, like maybe for like five, four or five years ago. Um, uh, I think he stopped because, uh, his, his, uh, magazine comic spending was getting, <laughs> <laughs> he re- he retired. So he had to cut back expenditure on his, on his, on his 
print product buying so um but yeah um and then i think i i I bought my first sight and sound in late 90s i think i think the first one i ever bought was the that there was a boogie nights issue of sight and sound and they had roller girl on the cover i think it must have been about like 97 um and that was a real kind of like you know revelatory moment because you know i i i I think i i i i'd like the i i i definitely was as a late teenager and 20 something very a bit more like you know want to be serious you know (laughs) sewage pretentious tape tape taping like subtitled any subtitled films off on off the tv i'd take them and watch them and like be really annoying and obnoxious and tell people they had to watch them um, even though I barely understood them myself, and um, and and yes, and, and I think I I, I think uh, initially I saw sight and sound as a bit of a kind of status symbol thing, um, and and sort of knew it was the kind of hardcore film magazine for those people who thought of themselves as like serious cinephiles, and um, but but yeah, I think I think I. I Back then, I used to—I definitely used to love the reviews, and I'd—I would read all the like. My main focus was on reviews back in the early days, and I just thought the sight and sound reviews were the were the were the best. Um, would 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 do things like I remember, I remember reading a review of. So this this is this has just come to me. I remember reading a review of uh, Gummo. The Harmony Kareen film in 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 in, a, in the sight and sound and discovering it from the, like I'd never never heard of it before but reading the review and seeing the picture of the kid eating spaghetti in the bath and thinking oh that that looks intriguing and um, it got some really negative reviews because I think some people were like outraged by it and 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 this the review in sight and sound was very was was pro- actually proper kind of fair and analytical and wasn't being sort of hyperbolic in any way and i remember it actually was like name check robert bresson in the review and and from that i i then went and tried to watch it like my, my it was like okay i'm going to watch as many robert bresson films as i can actually no it was after i'd then seen gummo I knew I was like, oh, I'm gonna re- I'm gonna reread the sight and sound review and then tr- go on to read to watch as many Robert Bresson films because if it's as good as that, then this Robert Bresson guy must, you know, he must know some shit. So, <laughs> but so Hannah, you, you you mentioned reading the White Lies and then writing for them. David, you also had that experience of I guess reading Time Out and then working for them and then sight and sound maybe as well. So, what was the experience when you finally crossed over to the other side? It's weird. It's weird. It's um you know you you kind of almost can't believe it for the for the, the first couple of times but then you, i think you get used to it quite quickly and i think that i mean there's like I'd, i there's a lot i spent I, I mean i definitely i mean this is a bit off topic i guess but i remember i definitely remember like using my in science I, I i i when i started working for time out i was basically a kind of like intern in their media library for about a year and that that year basically helped me to like it was a paid paid internship which is like you know what uh, wow you know um and i i I basically used that year to just write for any any and all section of the magazine i was proper kind of like you know really up for any any kind of like helping out and did food reviews and did book reviews and was massively out of my depth but used it as a kind of used that year as a kind of way to 
homer skills and i i i'd started talking to the editor dave calhoun because he'd sort of occasionally come down to the media library and i'd sort of try and you know i'd I'd sort of look at you know read the reviews that he'd that he'd written and then sort of make some comment about oh that looks good and then you know we we could like you know start off a conversation but um and and you know gradually kind of wheedled my way in there but yeah there was definitely like initially you know that 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 kind of idea of oh my god i can't believe i'm writing for this thing that i absolutely treasure and it's like basically made me the person i am today in terms of like the, the the art I'm interested in, which I think is you know so important for most people, um, but yeah, I, I definitely felt for like the, at least the first couple of years. In fact, I I still feel it today, like massively, like you can always do more, you can always know more. There are always people better than you that you know, like there, there is a sense that you know you're kind of you, you're having to kind of cheat a little bit, you know, <laughs> in in terms of like how much you really know about a thing and how much insight you can really give on something so there was definitely like in those early days I was really kind of like try, I think trying way too hard and I'm I'm someone who I, 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 I very 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 rarely read anything I've written or I don't think I've kept much of my I'm not because I not because I'm ashamed of it but like I, yeah I've not really kept much of my time out stuff because I'm just like oh. I don't really I don't really ever want to read it again. <laughs> not even the very first thing? It's not um, framed somewhere? It may be. Maybe somewhere. I think I think it was do you know what? It in fact this is this is kind of going back to more on topic. I think at the time and and I think it links to this idea of when you write something on, on the internet, you kind of have this belief that it's gonna be there forever and then you get and we're in this age now where you have co- there's a constant stream of people who are saying, Oh man, I wrote this amazing essay for this website that's now gone bust and been taken down and you know, this realisation that it, the website isn't infinite. I think when I started at Time Out, my feeling was that print was infinite and that there's all there would always be opportunities for me to just grab an old old copy or a back issue or you know, at Time Out we had this huge uh, the media library that I worked in just had like you know a hundred of every issue from the last you know 10 years so I just thought oh it'd be easy for me to just grab all my issues and then you know it got to my last day and I was just like yeah you know too I had had a lot of issues but they just uh, they gradually just ended up being chucked out when I moved house I moved house a couple of years ago and it was just like I've got you know I've been I was trying to be like unsentimental about it and but you know the, the the good stuff I remember. We're getting such a great insight into the future David Jenkins memoirs tonight. Oh God! David, thank you so much, Hannah. Did your relationship to magazines change once you got to the other side? Do you still read magazines now? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I've always been um, a collector of magazines. I love good print. I love interesting print, and. I do love a good kind of whenever I'm in Soho I'll go down to Good News which is the fantastic news agent on Berwick Street um, that's kind of become my haunt now that Wardour News is sadly closed um, and Mag Culture as well in um, Clerkenwell these are shops I love to just kind of go and look around and see the kind of wealth of really interesting and really exciting print that's out there that isn't sold in Sainsbury's or W.H. Smith's any well I'll say any more just you know things that I kind of again like when I discovered Low Eye Lies for the first time things that I just had no idea existed until I moved to London and was able to kind of get ready access to them so yeah I mean 
I it takes kind of quite a lot I'm not a person who will just um pick something up and you know be like okay this look, this looks fine I like to kind of take my time and like look at different things and kind of agonize over it because I think print as well now is g- good print is expensive you know you can you can pay sort of 10 pounds for a magazine and it'll be half adverts which is one of my kind of bugbears but you know I do understand that magazines are in a position where they're kind of beholden to advertisers a lot of the time and that's kind of why you end up with these great big tomes which are just half high fashion pictures of models and perfume samples but I do I mean I have like when I see um something like a really good issue of GQ or Esquire or um uh, dazed online I will make the effort to go out and buy these magazines I do kind of believe in supporting the journalism that you enjoy and that you care about and that you want to see more of and I kind of think working in print you are um, it's kind of it, it would be strange to me if I worked in this job and didn't kind of take an active interest in other print publications and buying magazines and kind of I don't know, investing back into the uh, into the industry, I guess. Yeah, I, I, my magazine reading has fallen off once I stopped having what felt like inter- infinite space to fill. Once <laughs> I realised, you know, when I moved house and I had, how, I think it was nine or ten years worth of magazines piled up in the cupboards, I'd had to recycle or chuck them out or take them to a charity shop. Um, and now I'm a bit more sparing. I have a shelf which is all sight and sounds all little white lies and then the select issues of film commentary able to, was able to track down in print plus a couple of other key magazines that I'm keeping everything else I have to clear out there are a few magazines I still go out of my way to get though there's one video game magazine that launched in the last year which I think is fantastic and what's great about it is that it's Really, really, relatively cheap to buy as well. Even you know, Hannah, you said that good print is expensive. Even throwaway print is expensive now. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, we think about buying buying magazines with your pocket money as a kid. Now you'd be paying four, five, six pounds for an issue of magazines that should be bought alongside your sweets. But Wireframe, which is this video game magazine that is part funded by the Raspberry Pi Foundation, so it's like half about learning how teaching kids how to code teaching young adults and adults actually how to code but it's also a really great magazine about how games work whilst also approaching it with a real video game fan attitude it really feels like the successor to a lot of those 90s video game and pc magazines i read as a kid but it's fortnightly it's cheap and it's just packed full of great stuff i, I love that one but there's also such a boom in shorter run, smaller run journals. Yeah. Um, one fell through my door today, in fact. I'm going to give it a shout out. It's called Nonfiction, published by UCL and the Open City Doc Documentary Festival. It's edited by um, friend of the mag, Matt Turner. And it's, it's an ambitious purchase on my part. I don't fully understand even the titles of some of these essays. Um, <laughs> but I'm, I'm hoping to to learn something from every single one of them. That's how I felt about getting a New Yorker subscription last year. I was like, this is going to improve me as a person. And I haven't mm-hmm. read about half of them that are sat in my room. The, 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 I have the will, you know. I'm like, eventually I'll do it. 
I think new, getting a New Yorker script, this subscription is definitely a rite of passage. I think everyone does it for a year. I, yeah. I, I did it for a year as, as well in my old flat and had and kept most issues. And um, yeah, I, I, you know, because because you keep them because you always think, oh, I'm gonna I've, I'm gonna spend a weekend going back through all the all the issues. I would I would open them and make sh- and look first for all, for any kind of film um, based feature. So. But I, my 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 wife now subscribes to the LRB, which is great, uh-huh. which is really good actually. Like I, I've like, we're, 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 I'm actually sort of, you know, one of the you know one of the things I'm I've been able to do during the 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 co, co, you know Corona Geddon is that actually getting getting a bit of time to 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 flick through the LRB and read some like random, um, you know, very long article essay analytical piece on 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 just some random thing or book or something or um you know three three books on nixon you know it's it's, it's <laughs> interesting you know it's 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 a really you know it's a it's a really amazing old legacy publication that's still kind of doing exactly what it did back in the day um which i think is very cool so there are still magazines that are keeping us out of trouble and broadening our horizons. Sadly, there aren't free horses, but you know we can't have it all. <laughs> I think if our designer had her way, Little White Lies would come with with free toys every issue. We need to do that one day. <laughs> yeah, oh, I was talking. I, I was talking to her today, and she and she and she she had some absolutely insane ideas. So um, <laughs> anyway, 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 we'll, we'll hear we'll, we'll hear more all about about that in due course. <laughs> I can't wait to hear more. Listeners, please let us know about your formative experiences with magazines or any recommendations that you'd like to give us to check out magazines that are still in print. We'd love to hear them at the usual channels at LDRealize on Twitter, truthandmovies at tcolondon.com or at the comments section at LDRealize.com slash podcast. David Hanna, it's been an absolute pleasure talking with you this evening. Thanks, Michael. Thanks, Michael. I'm Michael Eder. And as always, this has been a 7 Digital production. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.